0: turn to Luke 5 today. That'll be our text from the Word of God that we will go to. And we are just a few days into our 21-day church fast. And uh, perhaps maybe you've never fasted before. Fasting is a spiritual discipline, and it's also at times where God would call a congregation to fast together. A lot of times I encourage people just simply say, What do I fast? What, what 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 do I evaluate? and just see that the Lord would have me lay aside because fasting is not doing something or going on a hunger strike to try to get God to do what you want him to do. There will certainly be answers to prayers that come forth out of a season of fasting, but that's not why I fast. I fast to get closer to Jesus because I have found personally that the closer I get to him, the more of the problems that I think I have, they just kind of melt away. Anybody else experience that? So we encourage you to take part in that. And I want to talk for just a little bit. I almost have two sermons, but I'm going to blend them together today and have a thought that God desires for us to come boldly. Everybody say boldly. Boldly. We should not come into the presence of God as a believer in Christ like whipped puppies. We should not come into the presence of God cowering in fear and trepidation Listen, the, the, the passage of Scripture that encourages us to come boldly, that means to have freedom of speech. That means to come with confidence. Everybody say confidence. Because I know you're like me. You've got now 14 days into the new year and all those resolutions that you kind of started with and maybe fallen by the wayside already, I want to encourage you today to get back up, to come boldly into the throne room of God, to find grace and mercy and help in time of need, because your God is ready and available and there to help you. And fasting goes along with that, because fasting is something that if I evaluate my life and I look at it from a a broad view, and I say, what is it that is taking time away from me spending more time with you? So these next 21 days, if you haven't started with us, we started Wednesday, please join us. For unity's sake and also for the sake of understanding that there are some things that you will only see the answer to. If you've got a loved one that you've been praying for for a long time, listen to me. Spend a little bit of time fasting and focusing on that, that family member, and you'll see God do awesome things, because the reason reason that I pray and fast is not just to see the answer, but I pray and fast to get closer to the Lord. So this is a season where I believe God is speaking to us as a church and speaking to his people, that we are to come into his presence with confidence, we are to come into his presence with belief that he will hear and he will answer and he will lead us into the place that he has for us. Because this is a time where God is calling his people to seek him like never before, church. To pursue. Everybody say pursue. pursue. I talked about a Wednesday night, that God isn't looking necessarily for you to alter your life. He's looking for you to put an altar before him and to lay some things up on the altar. And fasting helps us do that. Fasting helps us. Leah and I both decided to fast the same thing. And uh, it was TV. We both noticed that TV just kind of took up a lot of our time. But that first night we were fasting, I heard something coming from the other room, (laughs) y'all. And I thought, she's certainly not watching TV.
1: And she wasn't.
0: She wasn't, y'all. But if you have a spouse and you come into agreement, listen, the power of agreement is powerful. The power of even unity in the church. So I just ask you to ask the Holy Spirit what He would have you do. And today I want to talk about that I desire for us as a church and you individually to up your devotion game with God. Amen? Everybody say devotion. Devotion. That your devotion towards the Lord becomes something more than it has been. Devotion isn't something you've probably used in a sentence this past week. Probably not. But it is important. It's an important word in a believer's vocabulary because devotion means love, loyalty, and enthusiasm for a person, place, or cause. I found oftentimes in pastoring all these years that when you begin to talk about devotion, we all have different ideas of what that means in our spiritual walk with God. We all have ideas of what it means to be devoted to our church, to be devoted to our relationship with Christ, to be devoted even to each other. That's kind of a broad spectrum, but here's a way that I sometimes explain it, I've explained it before to people, is there's a difference between being committed and being connected. When we're connected to something, there's just a loose connection there that may at times kind of catch our attention. I I put it this way, I have two wallets. The one wallet that I attach to the back of my phone and carry around with me has all of my really important things. It's got my debit card, my, um, let's see, it's got my driver's license, of course, and debit card. It's got things that I would need access to at any given moment, so I keep it close by my side. Now, if you're like me, you have a lot of other things that you're not that committed to that need to stay with you all the time, and the middle console of my truck is full of things that I'm connected to. As a matter of fact, if you open the door right now, there's a little punch card for pellets for my Traeger grill right there in the side pocket, because I have about 12 of them. Because every time I go in, I don't have it with me. And they're like, that's okay, we'll just combine them all at a later time. I think I'm up to six of a tenth bag is free type of a thing. (laughs) But the reason that they're not with me all the time is because I'm connected to that, but I'm not really committed to that. So the season that I believe that the Lord is drawing us and wooing us, and isn't it beautiful of God that He doesn't push us, He leads us? Isn't it a beautiful picture of God that He is our shepherd, He is the leader, He's the one that leads us beside calm waters and leads us through the valleys of life? And there's that drawing, that wooing, that devotion that I believe here at the beginning of 2024 because I believe with all my heart my role as a pastor isn't just to get down into the mully grubs with you and just pat you on the head and say, hey, everything's going to be the way it's going to be. I believe that as spirit-filled Christians, we have a lot more to do with our future than what you could ever imagine. And what I mean by that is God has given you His Holy Spirit. God has given you His Word. God has filled His Word with promises that if we come into agreement with those promises, I promise you today, our God is faithful. So our focus is not the problem or the the pursuit of prayer that you're looking for, whether you're fasting or whatever it is, but just a way of reminder. Monday night's prayer meeting, tomorrow night at 6.30, I encourage you to jump into that. Wednesday nights I'm going to continue on the altars in the Bible. I'm going to teach on the altar where Jacob comes and and Bethel and and the the ladder he sees. In other words, he had a supernatural revelation of God. We're going to continue those things. But I want to encourage you here right from the, the, the outset when it comes to prayer and fasting, when it comes to pressing into the things of God. You need to understand that when you come to God, you don't have to come because we've been taught in the church that if, if there's things that I really enjoy in life, then those things must be bad. And I came to tell you this morning, all God wants you to do is to put him first, to give him preeminence. God is not concerned about the sports things that you go to your kids with. He loves to be right there with you. He's not as concerned about all those kind of things. What he's asking us to do as a church in this season, and I came with a word of encouragement. Everybody say encouragement. Encouragement. There are times and there are places and there are seasons, and I think we've been in one of those seasons where the Holy Spirit, I know for me, I won't talk for you, but if you go back into the fall where God's really been confronting us about things in our life because we are to be a holy people. We are to be a people that are separated and set apart for his purposes. If there's no distinction between the church and the world, then we're never going to win the world over to God's truth. And so we've heard that a lot. But today I just want to bring you a word of encouragement from Luke 5. There are three things that I saw in there that I would like to share with you today. So if you're in Luke 5, say amen. Amen. But before we move on, everybody say "Come come boldly. That's a word that's been on my heart the last week is just come boldly. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He will add everything else unto you. So today, I want you to leave here with confidence. Everybody say confidence. I want you to leave here with the confidence that God is for you, not against you. I want you to leave today with the confidence that if we ask anything according to His will and His plan and His purpose, we already have it. We just may be in a season of waiting to see it birth in our life, in our family, at our work, whatever it is you're asking God for. So God always wants us to get us to a new level, a new place out of Egypt and into the promises of God. So Luke 5 this morning, verse 1 says this. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. Now stop right there and look back this way. If I believe that if we just preach and teach the Word of God, we will see people come. Amen? I think the world is looking for an answer. The world is looking for a Savior. The world is looking. They've, they've looked everywhere else, and they are looking finally for somebody to come with the Word of God. So as the multitude pressed about him to hear the Word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought the boats to land, they, all forso- they forsook all and followed him. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, God, I pray that you would be my helper. I need the helper to come right now and to help me minister your word. Help me minister life. Help me minister, Father, from the Spirit of God that would be a seed that goes into the hearts of the people today, Lord. We honor your word in this moment. We honor your voice in this moment. We honor your leading in this moment. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that we have no need for anyone to teach us, but you would lead and teach us all truth. So, Lord, we acknowledge that we need you. We acknowledge that we're reliant upon you completely to understand your word and to apply it to our lives today. I pray today, Father, that there will be a great encouragement come to the people of God. Maybe some, Father, here today that are downtrodden and feeling like they just can't take another step. Lord, I pray today would be a shift. It would be a day of turning. It would be a day of celebration of victory where we finally see you fill our boats with the answer that we're looking for today. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Point one, if you're taking notes, don't let failure define you. Don't let failure define you. God is a God of repetition. God is a God of repetition. God is a God of repetition. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that about the Lord? All through the Bible, there's another place when Peter has forsaken the Lord, and he's on the seashore, and he calls out from the seashore. The Lord does, and he says, Hey, let, let down your nets again for another catch, or... Maybe if you don't believe that, maybe you could go back to Jericho when the people of God were marching silently around the walls day after day after day after day. Without seeing the walls fall, they continued to be faithful to what God had told them to do. Or maybe you could go talk to Naaman the Syrian who was told by the prophet that you go dip seven times in the Jordan River and I can imagine after the second time or the third time or the fourth time, he probably started to feel foolish for doing what the prophet had said for him to do. Can I tell you this morning, even if it sounds foolish, if you just obey what Jesus says, yes. there are no such things as failures with God or maybe Elijah when he's talking to the servant and he's down and he's, he's praying that there would be rain after there hadn't been rain for, for, for years and he's praying and he's praying and he's telling the servant there is a cloud the size of a man's hand beginning to form full of rain and he went back again and again and again and again so sometimes we think that the repetition that we're in or the place that we're in is is going to have a way of pushing us back but when in reality repetition is something that God works in in our life. And this is exactly the scene here in Luke 5 as we open today. This story has always intrigued me because Jesus grabs the attention of these simple fishermen and he begins to reveal his nature. Do you understand that God always in every circumstance and everything that you're facing right now, God has a very simple plan that he is laying out. And one thing that he wants to do regularly is show us who he is. His heart and his miracle-working power to what was perceived as a failure. Everyone say failure. failure. Now, if you have lived enough a life, like most of us in here have, if you've lived enough a life, you've lived enough a life to understand that we all have failure at different times. Amen? Amen. We all have those times and seasons where we feel like, man, I failed at this. I've I've fallen at this. Maybe you failed in your marriage. Maybe you failed as a boss. Maybe you failed as a worker you aren't going to complete every pass and you're not going to make every shot, we understand that simple principle of life. And I didn't come in here today to make you feel bad. I came to encourage some people under the sound of my voice is that we all have seasons when things just don't work out and you thought that they would. Anybody else in here been there before? And you've been left like Peter and the rest of the disciples. These guys were considered to be expert fishermen. These guys were considered to be experts at what they did. And there's probably nothing that's going to make a fisherman more mad than to come back to shore completely empty-handed. Completely empty-handed. And this was more than just doing it for the fun of it, as we've all done, and gone fishing. If you don't catch anything, you're just like, oh, well, I'll go fishing another time. These were men who were reliant upon what they were going to catch in order to put shoes on their kids' feet, to put food on the table, and they had come back, and they, everybody looked and said, Wow, this wasn't a good day. This was a failure. But church, like I already said, you cannot let failure define you. These guys had failed at what they were trying to do. And I don't know what your failure is today. Maybe you failed in a relationship. Maybe you failed in a marriage. Maybe you failed at business. Maybe you were all excited and you started that business that you just felt, that you felt, that you knew, that you knew that God. Because I want to point out something today that is very important from the text. Sometimes our failures are setting us up for our biggest victories and blessings if you will just continue to get Jesus in your boat. Whatever your failure was in, it does not have to define your future, church. I told you I came to encourage your hearts this morning. I just feel like there's some people in this room that need to hear that your failure cannot define you if you give it to God. If you put Him in the middle. You may have failed, but you aren't a failure. Peter comes in with absolutely nothing in the boat, nothing in the net. And the Bible tells us this entire night of toiling and working, we're in a fast, we're seeking God. And again, I want to point you to not fasting for answers as much as fasting to grow a hunger in your heart for Jesus. Because we see here in the scripture, and don't miss this, when he gets out of the boat, Jesus gets into the boat. What we abandon because of our failure, God can and will fill up if you will allow Him. They all get out of the boat, and guess who steps into the boat, church? Jesus steps up into the boat. And that is exactly where you want Him to be, is in the midst of what you thought was the failure. God says to come boldly. God says to come with confidence. God says to come to me for every need, everything that you have need of. I want you to come to me continually with it. And oftentimes we don't come to him or ask him to get in the midst of the failure because we're like whipped puppy dogs that feel like I failed and I can't ever move on. I came to tell some people today that is the enemy's voice talking to you. What you have given up on, God is about to fill. That's the word for somebody in here. What you have given up on. Actually giving up may be the first step to actually seeing the miracle because God wants to do things in your life that only He can get the glory for. God wants to do things in your life that are supernatural. We're going to talk about that Wednesday night. Come back Wednesday. And the supernatural revelation of God that Jacob had absolutely revolutionized his life. And Jesus is here. Jesus has a multitude of people. And Jesus comes walking up the beach. These were men who everybody else looked at. And if they were washing their nets, it meant they had given up on actually catching anything. Most of the time we give up on something to decide God is through with something when God hasn't even gotten started yet. Church, God is just getting started in what He's going to do for you in the new year. As a pastor, I feel this constantly. I can get down... And just pat you on the head and commiserate with your your struggles and your fears and your worries and the difficulties. I can do that. That's part of my role. But also part of my role is sometimes to get you to look beyond the problem to the problem solver. To get you to look beyond the difficulty to the one who can make a way where there is no way. You say, Pastor, you're just trying to pump me up. I am trying to pump you up today. Because sometimes you got to get down on the inside and stir up some faith that God has placed down inside of there. It's only a failure if Jesus doesn't end up in the midst of it. Whatever your failure is, it does not have to define your future. You may have failed, but you don't have to allow the failure to define you. Amen? And oftentimes, here's what we say, probably the same thing they said. There were two things that I, I noticed in there that I want to point out, and we'll get to it in the second point. But for point number one, failure is not final for a believer. I wonder how many things that God has called you to step out into, but you have a deep-rooted fear of failure, or I'm feeling this from the Holy Spirit right now, because this was me at one time, a fear of the future. Some of you have a fear of the future. Some of you don't know what's around the corner. Some of you don't know what's up ahead and they were in the shallows fishing and they had caught nothing. And the boat isn't the problem. Oftentimes we'll say, well I, I need to get a better boat. You fishermen in here, you're like, well honey, I didn't catch anything. I need to get a bigger boat. <laughs> need to get about four new rods and twelve new lures and that's how I do anyway. When I get into a hobby, I'm like, well that didn't work. I'll just buy more, amen. <laughs> the boat isn't the problem. Listen, I want somebody to hear this today. The problem isn't the 21st century church, it's not an inability to attract fish. It's not that. It's that Jesus, oftentimes, he's not in the midst of our churches. If there's one thing that I want us to focus on in 2024 isn't ministries, isn't even people getting saved, it isn't deliverance for people, it isn't discipleship. I want us to focus first and foremost in the first month of 2024 of just Jesus. Because a boat is just a boat until you get the miracle worker up in the midst of the boat. And everybody's out on the outside looking, yeah, everything in our society is a problem of of the boat. It's the church. It's the this. It's the that. It's the pastors who are pastoring. It's the pastors who are preaching. And notice this. There was a group, there was a multitude that were present there that heard the word of God. They heard what God was saying to them that day. But church, I want to, in the next few weeks, get so close to Jesus that I could hear Him whisper inside the boat. You see, there's a lot of people that are hearing, but there's not a lot of people that are hearing the whisper of God. There are a lot of people that are hearing something from God, but they can't really totally understand it. I want to hear things from Jesus. Few have paid the price to seek Him and hear from Him. Church, we get so hung up on our season of failures. Our seasons where we think, God, I'm messing everything up. God, I can't seem to do anything right. And God wants you to get on a different level. Psalm 139 says, God's thoughts towards you are more numerous than the sands on the seashore. Think about that. You are continually before Him. You are continually on His heart. You are continually on His mind. You are continually... We Sometimes we think our failures have... Have forfeited us from receiving God's help, but nothing could be further from the truth today because fail, failure is never final. God is a God of repetition. He is. I've noticed myself that I don't ever flunk a test with God, I just have to keep taking it over and over and over. I still can't be patient in McDonald's line. I, 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 again, it's a struggle. Mm. Number two, if you're taking notes, listen to this. God desires you to go deeper this year, and it's his mercy that's inviting you to do it. Everybody say mercy. mercy. I have found that we have a very low, very low view of the mercy and favor of God. As I said... I've said this before, but my grandfather was teaching and I was discipled by him. He pastored for 43 years, was my mentor in the first few couple years that I was saved and personally discipled with him for a year at it his it is kitchen table every week, once a week. And he was talking about the mercy of God. And my grandfather was an old dyed-in-the-wool Wesleyan, Wesleyan Methodist, which is holiness, and which is all those kind of things, and But he began to teach me about God's mercy, and he pointed out one time of the story of Abraham in Genesis where God is going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And we, we actually see the heart of our Father God reflected in Abraham, and that's really what Jesus is trying to get all of us to, is not to be a reflection, because we always want to be a better version of ourselves. If you set out on 2024 to be a better version of yourself, you're going to be a failure. I want to reflect Jesus and his nature. That's what we're called to do. And, and Abraham is here and he's talking to God and he's saying, God, if I could just find 40 righteous, would you judge? If I could just find 30 righteous, would you judge? If I could just find 20 righteous, would you judge? And he gets down to 10 and he quits. So the mercy of God in that situation wasn't predicated upon God's mercy. It was how merciful that they believed that God was. And I came to tell and inform some folks that maybe have never heard this type of preaching before. God is a merciful God. You're living, breathing proof sitting here in this room today. And I am up on this stage. That isn't to excuse our behavior sometimes at all. It is understanding that God wants you to go deeper. And when I say that, the first thing that the enemy is going to do to everybody in this room, he's going to come along and say, yeah, he's right, but you don't deserve it. Of course you don't. You don't deserve to get near to God. You don't deserve to become more like God. You don't deserve to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. But here we are. And I began to see things in this text that I've never noticed before. I began to see what was perceived as failure was really the favor of God. You say, how could what everybody else looked at the situation and said, failure, no fish, didn't catch, out of the boat, washing your nets. But Jesus says this to Peter, launch out into the deep. Everybody say deep. Deep. When he says that, Jesus is showing us that Peter's inability to catch fish might not have been a failure. It might actually have been God's favor. (laughs) Church, your failure may be God's favor from keeping you out of a place you're not supposed to be in to begin with. That relationship that ended last year was not failure, it was God's favor keeping you from making a huge mistake. That job promotion that you didn't get, even leading you here, some of you have moved to home assassin the last couple years, and if you've lived here very long, you're like, where am I and where did I move to? You're laughing a little too hard at that one, because you were like me. I'm like, what have I done? God, Jesus is showing Peter, Peter, it's not that you failed. It's that I have something much bigger in store right around the corner. And I don't want you to be satisfied with the shallow when there's something deeper. Everybody say deeper. deeper. God is calling this church deeper. God is calling and challenging this church to pursue him like never before. And maybe that does mean you turn off your TV. Maybe that does mean that you fast food a few days a week. I want you to even develop a discipline of fasting, not just for January, but throughout the entire year. It's a spiritual discipline. God loves us too much to succeed in the shallow end. We need to praise God that some failures aren't failures as much as they are invitations to find out where God is leading you next. Failures aren't failures. They're invitations to say, okay, God, if that door shut, you're going to open up another door. And what am I going to do in the meantime? I'm going to worship and praise you and glorify you. Because I imagine that the disciples at this point weren't even disciples. He's calling them at this point. They knew who Jesus was. Peter had actually run into Jesus and was introduced to him before this encounter. But this was something deeper. He wanted Peter to go from the shallow And launch out into the deep. Verse 3 says, he asked him to put out a little more. And that's the Greek word epignago, which means just push out a little. Now in verse 4, we see the same word to launch out. The launch is the same command given in verse 3. It's the same command in verse 3 and verse 4 is the exact same word of push out and to launch out. And don't miss this. In verse 4, he says, launch out deeper. Here's the point. When God is wanting you to do is something you have already done, he just wants you to go to a deeper place. I'll say it again. What God is calling you to do this morning is to do what you have probably already done. He just wants you to take it to a deeper place. You say, well, what do you mean, pastor? If you're worshiping, take your worship to a deeper place. If you're studying the Bible in the first two weeks of January, He wants you to take your Bible study to a deeper place. If you're witnessing to people at work, and I hope you are, and everybody you come across, you're, you're telling them of the goodness of God, He wants you to take that to a deeper place. In every area, you say, okay, how does that look? The way it looks is maybe even if you came in here this morning and you began to worship God and God's Spirit began to move and you see Him moving and you see Him starting to fall on people, a shallow place that maybe you've been in for a while is well maybe i'll just maybe I'll just stand back and just maybe lift my hands a little bit listen God's calling you deeper, maybe he's calling you out of your comfort zone, and you don't have to run around the sanctuary like your hair's on fire. if God wants you to do that, sure. he's calling us deeper. Everybody say deeper. Deeper. That's the word. That's the word for us as a church. I promise you it is. Is God is calling us to a place. He's calling us to a place where many of you have even set out at the beginning of a year before. And you said to yourself, pastor, I joined in a fast with my church and right as soon as I was done, it seemed like everything in my life just went topsy-turvy. Everything began to shift and turn upside down. Listen to me. That's the proof that you're on the right path. And then we fail at something. And oftentimes when we fail, guess who's not there? Guess who is there to pile it on? The enemy. And you just begin to take steps back and take, but God, I failed at this. Listen, your failure is an opportunity for God to lead you to where he has for you. My point, there is no failure with God. Then he looks at Peter, and the same word in verse 3 that he uses in verse 4. In other words, you have to see there that it's the same thing. It's just Jesus is the one that's telling him and directing him of where to launch out into. Because I imagine Peter is just like us. We like the shallow water. And if you look at the story of Peter, it, it would appear, and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of reading into it, but bear with me, it would appear that he really enjoyed fishing in the shallow waters and in the shallow waters there's a certain kind of fish and there's a certain level of catch that goes along with the shallow some of you have been have been surviving instead of thriving some of you have been just barely getting by instead of living the life that God called. And I, I, I look around the world. I see the darkness. I see the difficulty. I know that there's things ahead that we're going to have to just really just dig into God and understand a Psalm 91 moment that our God will cover us with the feather of his wings. Yeah. Our God will keep us in the, in the place of safety and God will keep us in the covering of his hands. But also, I do not want us to ever get to the place where we're afraid to launch out into something deep because we just like the shallow waters visiting here today you may have visited 12 churches in this area and you're looking for a home church i want you to know that you know when you come here i am going to cajole i am going to lovingly push i am going to lovely i am going to lovingly come to you all the time and say there's something deeper that god's leading you into because i know my god he goes from glory to glory faith to faith not not failure to failure church faith to faith And he was content in the shallow, but he was getting a shallow catch. And in 2024, I want Christian Center Church to know and understand that I do not want to dwell in the shallows. It's safe, it's comfortable, but God is calling us out of the shallow into deep. Deep cries out to deep, the Bible says. The deep place. Because if he fell over the side of the boat, guess what? He could just stand up. I can get back in the boat. And Jesus calls these disciples before he ever calls them to leave the catch that they catch and to go become fishers of men. In other words, walk with him every single day. He first calls them to launch out into the deep, to launch out into something new, launch out into a place that may seem uncomfortable because that's the call of God continually upon our life. Deep is not an adjective. Deep is a destination. Everybody say destination. Destination. Deep is a place. And here's what I found out about deep. You get to decide what the deep is. Are you hearing me? What are you talking about? Again, you get to decide what deep is. Same thing I just mentioned in worship. Worship is a good example. We sing and we lift our hands and you say the words, but you're standing there stiff as a board. Amen? Amen. Singing lies. We sing, how great is our God while we're looking at our Facebook account on our phone. Oh, come on. Come deeper. Forget about who's around you and go deeper. Sometimes God wants to get us in a place where you can't see what saves you so that you understand that it's God who sustains and upholds you. You see... As they're fishing in the shallows, you could see what your salvation is right there at the bottom. You could see that, well, if something bad happened and I fell over and I couldn't swim in, in, this, in, the, in the water, I could at least stand up and save myself. God will lead you out into deep places where you don't know exactly what God's doing in your life just to show you that He's God, just to show you His power. And what does this teach us? What it teaches us is simply this, obey completely. God says, get up from the failure, quit quit washing your nets, and go. God is going to start giving some fresh commands regarding every area of our church, every area of our lives, and we shouldn't think we can live off of last year's or last month's or yes. yesterday's revelation and yesterday's touch from the Holy Spirit. We should continually be pressing on deeper. So in this season, number two is pay careful attention to what God is saying. His word is setting you up in this season, not for failure, but for the greatest blessing you've ever had. Number three, it's getting later than you think. Number three, it's getting later than you think. Look, they reaped a harvest that took more than one net to bring in. When they were obedient, when they didn't let their failure to define them, and that God sometimes is a God of repetition where he just says, get up and do it again. God, I've prayed that prayer a hundred times, get up and do it again. God, I've witnessed that person 500 times, get up and do it again. And they had such a catch that they had to call other people over in order to help them. And what I see in there, there's a cooperation in the harvest that when even the church in Citrus County begins to become unified around one thing and one thing alone, the blood and the cross in the name of Jesus Christ, then none of us can do this alone of what God wants to pour out in Citrus County. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and we were talking about the end times. We were talking about how dark and difficult the world is getting. And listen, you want to get yourself in church. (laughs) You begin to drift when you're not moored, whether it be this church or find another wonderful church in this area. But you need to be and get yourself into church. But I was talking to them the other day, and we said, yeah, you know, the Lord's coming back. And the the Bible says these things will begin to happen as we get closer to that day. And we both looked at each other. And and I've always taught and said for 26 years now of being saved (laughs) that we will see the greatest harvest that is ever seen upon this earth right before the return of the Lord. In other words, I do not have a vision of the church of just barely hanging on by her nails and barely scratching by. I see a church victorious. I see a church that's bringing in the harvest. I see a church that, yes, is seeing miracles and signs and wonders. But after I left that conversation, I said to myself, getting in my truck and leaving, I said, Lord, are you going to do that? God, I believe that for all my spiritual life. I believe that all my ministry life. I believe that. These were the men that Jesus were going to call as his disciples, fishers of men. Everybody say harvesters. harvesters. Jesus is returning, and before he returns, we need to understand that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is, Jesus looked, said, look up, the harvest. You say, six, three months in the harvest, look up for the harvest is now. So it's getting closer than you think. The time is shorter than you think. And whether or not Jesus comes back in 10 days or 10 years or 50 years, our time is shorter than we think. Yes. How many have learned enough of life know that it goes fast? Yes. Nobody warned me. The older you get, the faster it goes. Yes. Wow, that's just something weird and supernatural about that. I've, it really is. It's like you blink. And I mean, y'all, we're halfway through January of 2024. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bible tells us to redeem the time for the days are evil. What is it that's on God's heart? Because if failure, if failure isn't final, because failure is a setup for you to see what God wants to do in your life. And then we see the broad scope of God's purpose because if you want to know what you will never fail in ever with God, it's focusing on not yourself but focusing on other people. Because it wasn't just about the catch. It was a spiritual metaphor that's laid out for us right here in Luke 5 that talks about what God's priority is. His priority is the harvest that's all around us all the time. There are three places in the Bible where Jesus showed deep emotion. It literally says the word, the verbiage there in the Greek is literally literally like compassion that it moves your insides. It's that, he was that moved, he was that compassionate, he was that overwhelmed with emotion. And that's when he was with Lazarus at the tomb, when he wept over Jerusalem, when he went up on the Mount of Olives and looked over Jerusalem and said that he would have rather gathered them in like chicks, under the mama hen's wings, and he was weeping for that. And then in Matthew 9, at the same place, at the same spot, same area, Jesus' ministry was centered around this area that we see in Luke 5. It was around Capernaum. He was based there, and he traveled all around the cities. He traveled all around this region. He traveled all around this area. And it's amazing to me because it clearly tells us that he went around in the synagogues, and the town squares, and everywhere he went, everyone was healed. Everybody say healed. Healed. It literally says, every, now how many would know that that would be a good church service? Amen? Amen. If Jesus showed up in Homosassa and did a tent revival, and everybody that walked into the tent was healed, everybody that walked in the tent was changed and healed from something, that would be a good day. Would you agree with that today? Yes. And Jesus here is around the same lake where he called the first disciples and said they'd be fisher of men. And in Matthew 9.35, he says this. Listen to me. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Everybody say All. All. That's pretty good, huh? All. All. But he looked at them, healed. Listen to me. He looked at them healed and he was moved the third three times. Lazarus, when he was on the Mount of Olives weeping over Jerusalem, and in this moment, standing at the same place where they had a harvest of fish, he sees the harvest out before them and they were healed. And he says, This they're harassed and they're helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Wait. Even though they were healed, they were still messed up. Why? So He calls the disciples over and He tells them what He sees. They are harassed and they are helpless. Sheep without shepherd. He's healed them all. So the disciples come over and He tells them the issue. And He looks and He says, the people are healed, but they aren't harvested. Jesus is not operating in the area of harvest he's operating in the area of healing and convicting and showing people the sin righteousness and judgment to come that's his job guess what your job is it's not to be the healer he says that pray to the lord of the harvest that he would send harvesters out into the harvest field everybody say harvest, harvest. your failure doesn't define you because God's a God of reputation. You move into an area and understand that in this story, it wasn't just about this. He later on says that they are helpless, they are scattered, they are like sheep without a shepherd. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Not the Lord of healing, not the Lord of preaching. He's the Lord of the harvest. And he says, send laborers into the harvest. Listen. There is no ultimate salvation for our nation. There is nobody that's going to prophesy our way out of the predicament that we find ourselves in in the United States of America. But I can tell you what will make a difference in the United States of America. I won't even talk about the United States. What will make a difference in Homosassa, Florida, is if a group of people would get off of their blessed assurance and understand that we have the ability to win a county. We do because he is the Lord of the harvest and they were healed, but they weren't harvested because I do not understand this. I can't fully grasp this, that God has called you and I to present his gospel and speak to people about Jesus. That seems awfully risky to me. The reason it's risky is because I know at times in my life the last thing on my heart and mind is looking at somebody that's scared, helpless, and harassed by the devil and tell them that there is a God in heaven that can turn their failure into the biggest miracle that they've ever had. They need to be harvested. This bringing in of the fish was, they had to be amazed at the amount of fish that they, they were like, the boats are sinking, there's so many. We're begging God in this hour to heal us instead of begging God to just send us. Because can I tell you, the miracle is in the sending. The miracle is finding your purpose. The miracle is is doing what God said for you to do. That's when the miracle begins to generate and begins to happen in our lives. Amen? Amen? I think sometimes I think that we're kind of like, man, if Jesus is going to change our country, Jesus is going to have to come down himself. He already came and he filled you with his spirit. We are the change that our nation needs. And I've preached enough to tell you that we don't need to be mean spirited, but I'm afraid in telling you not to be mean spirited, we become spineless Christians. We become those who aren't going to stand on God's truth. And tell a world that there is a God who loves them and wants to save them. Church, listen to me. Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. How dare us judge a world that is, of course, worldly? The president of my Bible school used to say this all the time, Dr. Michael Brown. He's like, Yeah, they sin, they're sinners. (laughs) That's what sinners do. But church, there's a harvest ahead of us. Amen? Amen? They are harassed, they are helpless, and they are sheep without a shepherd. And we are the answer the world needs. So get out of your failure. Understand that God in this season is calling you, and you get to define what deep is. You do. If you've already launched out, you said, ah, I launched out in the deep years ago. I've gone so far out with in and with God, it's like somebody's setting sail from a seashore, and I I don't know about you, but when I go on any kind of fishing trip, as long as I can see a little bit of land in the distance, I'm cool. But take me out where all I see on the horizon is water, I ain't cool. I'm looking for the, the life preserver. I'm thinking the engine's sounding a little funny. And I've been out there several times in my life, way out where you can't see anything. But listen, that's what the deep is. The deep is a total trust in transferring of your complete trust for your future over to God who cares so much for you yes. He cares for you he loves you he wants you to call he wants to call you into his kingdom for such a time as this if you'd stand with me this morning Jesus already came down and now it's our turn that's the point I want to leave you with today could you come Alexis? Everybody say, I'm the answer. I'm the answer. You're the answer. If you find yourself in failure, you're the answer for getting out of it because you need to trust God enough to know it wasn't wasn't a final failure. You just need to get back up and move forward. You need to understand that you're the answer because you get to decide what deep really is in your life. I can't define that for you. Only God can by telling us, launch out into the deep. And I'm telling you the word of the Lord for us going into the season ahead. Is just launch out into some things. Launch out into some things maybe you've never done before. If you've never witnessed to somebody before, if you've never shared your faith with some I know that can be intimidating. I can know that I know that can be difficult. But church, listen to me real quick. If you don't have a testimony, then you need to get saved today. Because I don't know of anybody that has given their life to christ that hasn't looked back over a period of time whether it be months or years down the road that can't testify to the goodness of god in our lives yeah. just tell them how good god is i love carl arkensinger everybody that he comes in contact with through his job or being out and about he just looks at him and says i want you to know god loves you yeah. he's had people weeping in their driveways Because Jesus' heart of compassion spilled over looking at people that, yes, they were healed. Yes, they had a momentary answer to whatever was afflicting them, that they could have gone back into affliction years down the road. Who knows? We all die of something, right? Lazarus died. (laughs) Got raised from the dead, but passes away. And we look at those things and we say to ourselves... Simply this. We are the answer the world needs. It's just time for us to sign up for duty. Amen? Amen. Bow your head and close your eyes this morning. As I bring this in for a landing, I just want to ask a very simple question. that There may even be people here under the sound of my voice. You know that God has made a way. You know that God has even healed some things in your life. But you've never done... Them the most simple step of following Jesus and that is to surrender yourself to Him. That's really what the gospel is. It's you can't save yourself so God came and did it for you and you enter into that place of faith. You enter into a covenant with God made by God with Himself. So it's by faith you are saved, not of works lest any man should boast. So if you think, well, if I could just be Better in 2024 than I'll have it all figured out. If I could just, if I could just get into a, a extreme home makeover for my soul, I will have a good 2024. Listen to me. You need to surrender everything to Jesus this morning and make Him Lord of your life. That doesn't mean everything's going to magically be solved and better. It means that you are a sinner separated from a holy God in the way that God provided for you to come back into relationship, back into intimacy, back into favor is through repentance and faith. So is there anybody here today that just says, I'm tired of living on my own. I'm tired of, of yes, being healed in some areas. I'm tired of, of not going out into the deep. I want to surrender everything to Christ today. Would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? Amen. Amen thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Never ceases to thrill this pastor's heart when people are, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, man. It's not me. That's him. And he loves you and he has a purpose and plan for your life. So those of you who raise their hands, say, I'm going to lay it all out before Jesus. I'm going to commit my life and my heart to him. I'm going to repent of my sins, believe that he rose on the third day, and I'm going to Make a choice today to follow Him all the days of my life. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. I ask you today to wash me clean of my sins. I repent and turn away from anything that displeases you. I ask you today, To wash me clean, come into my heart, change my life. I make you Lord over my life. I believe that you came, that you died, and you rose again on the third day. And that you are the Son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look. I want to pray this over you as I dismiss you today. I typed it up yesterday when I was finishing my notes. Just bow your head and lift your hands as I pray this over you today. Father, I pray today that each and every person and each and every heart would turn and see your goodness. That, God, they would not just see their failures, but they would see the opportunity for you to move in the midst of the disappointment and failures. God, I pray today that incurable sickness that is found in this body would be healed in Jesus' name. God, I pray today that each person would be filled with the fullness of Christ. Lord, I pray for my sister Lupita, and we continue to bind our hearts together and believe and prophesy a miracle. God, for her body. Father, I pray today that you enlarge your image for each and every person in this room, that God, you would fill our wineskins with your fullness, fullness in worship, fullness of integrity, fullness of character, fullness in the power and fullness of the spirit. Lord, I bless the people today that we would be filled to overflowing, that God we would go out into the deep that you're calling us into and that father God, we would see a great harvest, not just of souls. God, that is number one priority today, but also a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of finances, a harvest father of blessings, of peace, joy, and the spirit of God. Lord, let us be filled with your fullness and let us celebrate your goodness continually throughout the week. Father, I pray protection on Christian Center. God, may they be blessed as they've come in, and Father, I pray they would be blessed as they go out. That, Lord God, you would turn your face towards them, that you would your countenance would rise upon them, and you would give them peace, and you would give them rest. Lord, until you bring us back together at the appointed time, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. Watch over and protect our families in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you're able to come, 6.30 tomorrow night, prayer meeting. And then if you're able to, Wednesday night at 6.30 for our Wednesday night service. Go in the name of the Lord, church, and be blessed. If nobody's told you they love you today, your pastor loves you.